Hey everybody, C-Note here and welcome to Dopamine, the show that is like the X-Men franchise, completely dependent on Hugh Jackman. So today we're talking with Jessica Olben, who is a good friend of mine uh, on Facebook through Facebook groups, and uh, we talk about unfucking your chaos. She has recently, I wouldn't say recently, we recorded this a few months ago, but recent in the grand scheme of things, she uh, has come up with this idea to to use in her branding, this unfucking your chaos and basically like helping people, uh, uh, get out of their, you know, uh, like organize their businesses and stuff like that. So we talk about that a little bit. We talk about supporting, um, someone in, uh, addiction scenarios. And we talk about a couple other things. We talk about Myers-Briggs a little bit. So this is a bit of a potpourri of an episode. Um, I haven't listened to the interview in a little while, so I don't remember everything that's on it, but I'm sure it's pretty good. Um, so, you know, I'm just going to hit the button and, uh, just enjoy it. Have a good time. Drums, Hey, everybody, welcome to the show. And uh, with me, I have Jessica Olben. I said that right, right, Olben? Yeah, yeah. All right, so welcome. Say hi to people. Hello, people. (laughs) Uh, So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, um, who you are, what you do, and if you've had any experience personally with mental health or working in mental health in any kind of way. Sure. Um, I'm Jessica Olben, and I am a growth and development strategist. Um, I help businesses um, unfuck their chaos um, with plans and procedures. Uh-huh. Um, I work a lot on mindset and uh, developmental strategies and operational strategies. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally have struggled, um, not necessarily, I guess, I have some mindset uh, struggles at times. Uh Um, I do enjoy my monthly therapy session. Um, So I um, really find um, a great, uh, safe uh, community in what you've built, Christian. Awesome. Um, um, My husband is actually a recovering alcoholic. Um, He's been sober for six years. Uh Um, So we work on a lot of things um, in our relationship and personally um, in regards to mental health um, because of that. Okay. Um, yeah, so there's a couple interesting things to kind of, uh, talk about there. So the first one being, uh, this creepy lighting that I have going on (laughs) because I have nowhere to put my light. So, uh, this is how you light for a horror movie guys. Um, and, uh, second of all, uh, I wanted to ask about the shift into the whole unfuck yourself stuff, which, um, for those of you in the community or following in the gorilla group, um, that's something that I think you and James kind of started working through James Gaffney and, uh, it makes sense as it's something that's like kind of developed. Uh, so how does that kind of come together and how did you start to realize that that's something you can put into your, your forward motion? Sure. Um, I've been in business um, as a, gro- a growth strategist, a consultant for about mm-hmm. a little bit over a year now. Right. Um, and I was working um, with business owners um, in regards to social media strategies and operational strategies. And um, I've noticed um 
because I brought my business online at the first mm-hmm. of this year, I was offline until then. Right. Um, I've noticed a number of um, entrepreneurs that I'm close with struggling um, with organization um, and feeling chaos and overwhelm. Right. And um, that is a skill set that I have that I rock at. So that's why I decided to uh, do the shift. Nice. Um, so James is an amazing uh, designer. Uh, he actually redid my logo for me. Okay. And um, we had a call and basically um, realized that I'm an unfucker, um, that I was able <laughs> to unfuck his chaos. Right. Uh, and that's kind of what brought it about, I guess. Yeah, that, you know, that's interesting. Um, did that require, you know, personal introspection or was it just like kind of like a really quick sort of like, you know what, this makes sense. Let's go. Yeah. Um, it's something that I've done before, but I never really coined like the branding of unfuckery really, Uh um, which was actually a little bit difficult for me to embrace. Um, Mm -hmm. I have a corporate background. I worked in corporate for about 15 years. Um, so I, um, and was used to um, being professional and being someone that really wasn't me, Uh, maybe me, but more professional. Um, So um, I finally was able to embrace me and realize that I wanted to work with people like me and Mm -hmm. I shut down my corporate brain, I think a little bit, um, which still comes out in my copy that I write. Um, But um, I think it was just um, also to, I've become more self-aware in the last six months right? and that kind of epiphany has led me to realize that I have this skill set um, and then I kind of unfuck things wherever I go, but I really right. wasn't marketing it or selling it, I guess. Right. It's kind of like a unique kind of, uh, you know, projection of your personality, which is nice. Um, and for those who don't know, James Gaffney, we've, I did an interview with him, uh, a few months ago, so if you go earlier into the podcast uh, down in the uh, description, there's there's more. I'll probably link directly to that podcast, which was really good. Um, I'm going to meet with him again in a few weeks to talk a little bit more about um, mental health stuff with him. But we talked a lot about design and branding and stuff in that episode. Um, but uh, I wanted to kind of move forward into uh, monthly therapy sessions. Um, that aspect of so. so do you go to therapy? What, what reasons, I guess, do you go to therapy for? Um, when I first started going to, I had never been to therapy before maybe a year ago. Um, right. I was a part of um, a group that's called Celebrate Recovery. Um, it is a um, Christ-centered repo- um, recovery program, uh-huh. um, much like um, AA or NA, um, where there's, you know, small groups and sharing. Um, and um, when my, fr- my husband first started his recovery process, um, it mm-hmm. definitely gave me an outlet um, to feel comfortable in. <clears throat> and I really didn't find a lot of people like me. Um, people that I had the same mindset um, of. So that's why I started going to therapy, just to have an outlet um, to get um, outsider feedback, I guess. And it literally was the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, It's helped me become more self-aware. 
helped me um, be able to work through a lot of things um, internally um, and realize why I'm doing things externally. Um, Plus, I'm a mom of two small kids, um, a two-year-old and a Mm -hmm. five-year-old. So making sure that I had a firm grasp on my mental health um, Mm -hmm. and being able to project that into um, their little brains um, and raising them uh, the way that I felt was right. it helps me keep grounded and know where I'm going, I guess. What do you feel the timetable has been for this, this kind of deeper level of introspection that you've been doing lately? You, so you mentioned since kind of January, is, is, has it been a little bit before then? Um, or is it more of a recent phenomenon that you've both been focusing on your introspection and mental health and therapy and stuff like that? I believe I was stuck on a plateau of um, independence. Uh up until um, about January or so. And then I leveled up to the interdependence um, realm, I guess, Uh where I feel comfortable relying on other people um, Mm -hmm. to help me through things or just be there for me. Um, I am an extrovert, but I have um, introverted tendencies. I really Mm -hmm. don't like people um, (laughs) a lot of the time. Uh Um, But... um, moving into that realm of interdependence and realizing that not all people suck um, and Mm -hmm. having um, a group, a tribe um, of supporters is really important. Yeah. uh, um, And that's, that's a, that's a huge way to move forward. Um, Especially when it comes to being uh, with someone who has, you know, suffered uh, uh, the difficulties of alcoholism or any kind of addiction. Um, this is not something that we've actually covered much on this show. So that's why I love this opportunity to have you on to talk about it. Um, how has th- this affected you, your understanding, your working with your partner? Um, uh, just kind of, I guess, an overview of, of where you're at in terms of, of being the supportive partner of someone. Does it take a toll on you? Uh, how have you adjusted to um, this knowledge of, of, of the situation with them? Um, it's kind of a roller coaster. Um, uh-huh. I wasn't self-aware for the longest time mm-hmm. of what I needed to do, um, what role I could play. Right. Um, I kind of just took a step back um, and I feel like was a little bit selfish at first, um, thinking it's someone else's issue, issue let them work through it, you right. know, whatever. Um, but in all actuality, it, you have to relearn um, how to be present for someone. Um, So it's a, um, it's a daily thing. It's an ever changing daily thing. Um, Sometimes it's an easy thing and sometimes it's really difficult, Um, but but finding um, like people who have been in my shoes um, really helps to have the support and um, guidance. And it just, I guess, back and forth with um, has been really helpful. Um, It's something that I'm still working on and I think Mm -hmm. I will be working on for a really long time. Um, But I'm now self-aware and making strides, I guess, on that front. Do you feel like throughout the process of of working through this that you may have taken on um, more responsibility or burden than than you probably should? uh, Being with, you know, some people feel this this feeling of like, okay, I need to help my partner or fix my partner or be less of myself in order to be more for someone else. Um, have you experienced that? And, and what's that been like for you? Um, a lot of it is um, there's like a codependency, I think, uh-huh. 
struggle with it. Um, it's not that I feel responsible um, because obviously I'm only responsible for my happiness and, you know, my feelings, I guess. Um, right. But it's hard to realize that. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I think, yeah. Um, you you want to nurture their growth, but you don't necessarily want to, uh, uh, you know, hold their hand throughout the entire process. You need to give them room to grow. On their and it's own hard as well. to know how to. It's hard to know how to do that. It's hard right. to know where to step in, where to. You know, I don't. I'm not a therapist. You know, I don't. Right. I can't. You know, give advice. I've never been through it before. So it's right. hard to say. You know, I would do this, or maybe you should do this. And um, I feel like, um, especially as a mom, or maybe mm -hmm. even my personality, like um, I'm not necessarily controlling, but there is a certain like vision. You know what I mean? That I have, or even as parents, that we have right. for right. things. Um, yeah. So it's been very difficult for me to um, step out of the shoes and um, just kind of um, be how I need to be in the situation. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Um, you know, we've we've talked about I've talked about on this show about you know taking personal responsibility as someone who is either suffering from addiction or depression or anything that you know, what you're dealing with is not someone else's responsibility, but also, you know, it's a tough balance to work between asking for help and not leaning too heavily on someone. Um, and at the, at the risk of getting too personal, <laughs> uh, you know, do, do you ever, do you ever feel like, um, I guess this is an extension of the burden question. Like what responsibilities have you felt that you've needed to take on to be helpful? Um, or, or do you feel like you just need to like, step back and let things, uh, 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 you know, let him work out his own path. Just recently within the last couple of weeks, I feel like I've pulled back from the situation, um, to mm -hmm. kind of let him work out his own path or, or feel what he needs to feel and let that out, um, in the whatever way he feels necessary. Mm -hmm. Um, I have, um, I hate to use the word sacrifice, but I am more than willing to sacrifice mm -hmm. my free time or my wants or desires mm -hmm. um, to enable him um, another outlet mm -hmm. for his stress relief. So if that means that um, he, I, I need to take on the handling the kids for him to go work out or go play golf or go do something. Right. Um, that's important to me because mm -hmm. I know that that will help his progress of feeling more comfortable or normal. I feel like one thing that <clears throat> alcoholics or even people with addictions that are mm -hmm. recovering um, or sober, they struggle with being normal, um, mm -hmm. especially drinking because, right. um, uh Oh, I think I, oh, has there you go. Okay. Oh, <laughs> I thought I lost sorry. you for a second. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Carry on. So drinking is all around. Um, it's on commercials. People are at restaurants having a couple drinks, you know, friends go out and have a couple drinks. Um, right. you know, people go to the lake and have a few drinks. And so, um, that's a part of normal life. Um, so, enabling him to, you know, do the things that he feels happy about or makes him, you know, 
enjoy his sobriety um, right. is important to me. So I'm more than willing to, you know, sacrifice things in order to, to make that happen. Yeah, I, I would almost offer the word uh, support as opposed to sacrifice. I think a, a lot of people use the word sacrifice and it's kind of like, it's it's kind of like the catch-all that everyone uses uh, uh, when it comes to relationships or whatever, like, because, you know, it's a partnership and you have to, you got to meet in the middle. So there are some quote unquote sacrifices, but it, it just feels a little more nurturing if we use the word support, which is something that I want to try to like help with through this podcast also mm-hmm. is that, you know, we're supporting our partner because you care about him and, and it's not about sacrificing who you are uh, uh, to, to be less of who you are, but I use your strengths to connect with him and help him and help him grow so that that'll kind of give you the room to grow also because mm-hmm. sacrifice kind of feels like it has a little bit of resentment uh, yeah. with it. Um, and I guess I could ask that. Do you feel like there's any sense of resentment there? Or, or if, if you're comfortable asking. It's yeah, no, that actually, that's a really great question. Uh-huh. Um, I feel like in the beginning, um, I had a lot of resentment from, you know, the behaviors that he, you know, was exhibiting or um, what he was coming from yeah. and letting go of that resentment um, was a huge thing for me. Um, I feel no resentment actually. And I feel like um, it's great that you asked that because I feel like sometimes he thinks I have resentment. Like, right. right damn you, I have to stay here and do this. So you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. not fair or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I realize the importance of mm-hmm. my support. Right. And I am not upset or harbor any negativity because of it. So right. um, I think that that was, you know, a staple um, holding the resentment and harboring it just, you know, made him a trigger for me or made certain things a trigger. Mm-hmm. Um, and as soon as I was able to let go of that, um, it's obviously more freeing and more, it makes me feel happier. Um, right. but, um, I think no matter how many times I say it or, uh, try to express that I am totally fine with it. It's still, I think something that weighs on him that I feel resentment or upset because of it. Yeah, you know, and um, I, I think even for you, reframing things as support versus sacrifice will will kind of help to communicate that a little bit better, not to like be your therapist in this podcast. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, from what I've gathered in talking to so many people at this point, um, you know, that's, that's kind of a big mental shift. And it kind of helps even in little behaviors, whether you realize it or not. And, you know, I, I'm not there, so I don't know. But you know, sometimes when you're even describing it as a sacrifice, you may be even doing subtle things that you're not aware of. So it kind of helps for you and anyone listening to like try to reframe it as support. Because I think, I think also, you know, we're battling ourselves versus society's expectations of certain things, but also our spouse or partner is doing the same thing. You know, they're, they're battling their perceptions or sometimes they have preconceived notions of like, okay, I've seen someone else's wife have this kind of resentment. Maybe she's feeling this because she's doing something very similar. And it's stuff that you, you, know, you may or may not have like, knowledge or control over. But again, reframing a support and continuing to like, communicate and stuff seems like a way to, like, uh, to continue to foster that growth. Um, has your communication together improved as you've kind of grown closer through this support? And, uh, and, and have you gone cro- closer as a result of everything? Or, or are you having other issues? <laughs> um, yes and no. Okay. Um, I think that 
we both have our own personal internal struggles or uh -huh. um, hangups, I guess. Right. Um, and communication has always been, well, not always, um, most recently, I feel like been um, kind of a struggle for us. Uh -huh. And we are having to relearn a lot of things. Um, right. It's throwing the kids in there too um, is yeah. also a struggle um, um, because um, we have a two-year-old and a five-year-old and he works a day job. Um, so he gets home in the evening, we do dinner and um, I own my own business. So I do a lot of work in the evening or um, in the early morning. So mm -hmm. we really struggle with um, making time for each other um, right. and communicating. Um, we do a lot of communication through text, um, uh -huh. which is a bad and a good thing. Um, bad because, you know, you're not getting um, the proper uh, tones or, I guess, um, right. way to convey a message. Um, it's just black and white. Right. Um, but that still allows us to stay in communication. Mm -hmm. um, but it is a, a recent, I think, I wouldn't say problem, a recent uh, thing that we have been working on together. Yeah, that you've become aware of, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and you know, all of this kind of leads back to um, what I'm kind of trying to lead to, and it's not just me being uh, uh, probing into <laughs> the situation. Uh, you know, all of this is kind of leading to that identity and, and personal discovery and how, you know, how learning more about yourself is helping you to become more of a supportive partner. Would you say that's true and in, oh, in yeah. what ways? Absolutely. Um, just being more self-aware um, of a lot of things. Um, I uh, sometimes even not just in my relationship with him, but other people, mm -hmm. um, I come off as something that I'm not. Um, I may seem bitchy or aggressive or mm -hmm. bold um, or have a tone or a look um, right. that I don't realize that I am doing or that I have. So um, that is something that I'm right now um, mm -hmm. working on. Um, even just, and I see it like when I do lives or when I communicate with people. Right. So uh, yes, being self-aware is a huge, huge thing for me. And it's still something as of right now that I'm working on mm -hmm. every day. As you're learning more about your personality, and um, I do want to ask about your Myers-Briggs type at some point, but we're going to go back to that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, when, at, at, through this identity discovery, are you starting to learn uh, certain boundaries that you need to start setting for yourself in relation to either your relationship or other relationships with people uh, to kind of uh, change the way you communicate with people, whether that's to let more people in or less people in or to be more assertive with your partner versus maybe being a little bit more softer or less text communication versus more text communication. How is the identity seeking translated into, you know, behavioral shifts or, or where do you think it's going at least? I think, <clears throat> I think being self-aware of certain things allows me to um, engage with people the way that they need me to engage. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm not who I am or I'm not fully being authentic all right. of the time. Mm -hmm. um, I don't feel like I've ever struggled with boundaries. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like I've struggled with, um, and I'm gonna give an example. Um, I um, 
have a client that is a family member. Um, mm -hmm. And it's my first client that I've ever worked with as a family member. Mm -hmm. And she um, late paid me. She was paying me late. And uh -huh. so I um, was writing her an email um, to discuss it. And mm -hmm. I read it to my husband just to get his feedback. Uh -huh. And as soon as I read it, he's like, ooh, I don't know. And <laughs> it's a little much. Um, right. And I really wasn't trying to be a certain way or have a tone or anything. Um, mm. but it really, um, I changed the email, um, mm. and made it a little bit softer. Okay. Um, I think people need me to be soft, more soft than I am sometimes. And I don't realize it because, um, I am not aware of how I'm making them feel or how they're taking the words that I'm saying sometimes. Right. Um, and it seems to me like it's just business. You know what I mean? It's not like meant to be bl blunt or bold or aggressive, but that's right. how it can come off. Right. So, yeah. So, you know, learning about your type, kind of helps you to, or you're learning about your identity rather has been helping you to kind of soften things when to you, it's like, this is the way I want people to do business with me. It's how I want to do business with them. But you know, uh, not everyone's the same. And that's sometimes the unfortunate reality. <laughs> right. Well, and what's, what's been great for me is um, I am an extremely um, authentic person. Um, uh -huh. I'm not afraid to be who I am and show it um, in my lives or when I'm communicating with someone or building a relationship with someone. Right. And it has allowed me to get rid of fakers and get rid of people um, and not attract people who aren't, um, who don't dig that, I guess. Right. Um, so relationships now for me are much easier. Um, I can communicate much easier with people, um, because there is no facade or bullshit. Um, mm. so yeah. Okay. So, so to kind of like, uh, backtrack a little bit, I wanted to ask about the, uh, the kind of support groups for people who are also, you know, with someone who has dealt with any kind of addiction, um, uh, what have you been gaining from those groups or, or, you know, what's that process been like to find support in that sense for you? And um, what have you been gaining from that? Um, so <clears throat> I have attended um, in person um, groups like Celebrate Recovery, which is usually done at churches, um, which is a great place to um, be with people who um, have a faith and celebrate that and have a safe place. Mm -hmm. um, I've also attended um, AA meetings or mm -hmm. NA meetings as well. Um, yeah. I personally, um, I didn't find those to be helpful for mm -hmm. me um, because it actually, it was really hard for me to sit through those meetings um, because I haven't been in the shoes of um, the people attending the meetings. Right. Um, I believe that the people that attend meetings have a better sense of who they are and um, non-judgment, I think, a lot than most people, a lot of people do. Mm -hmm. um, but it, it was really hard for me to relate to um, people. Right. So um, that's why I started going to therapy so that I could find, um, I guess, discuss something and not feel like I was making, one of my struggles was 
all these people have extreme, extreme struggles. Mm -hmm. And I felt like, what the hell am I doing here? Like my struggles are nothing compared to their struggles. And not that I um, thought I was better than them or anything like that. I just felt like, really, I'm going to talk about this bullshit when they're (laughs) going through that bullshit. Um, There are no physical in-person groups for spouses. Uh in my city Mm -hmm. um but there are in other cities uh so i've reached out online and actually there are some online um meetings Mm -hmm. uh, that you communicate um and actually i um last week in the gorilla group um, my thursday ask post Mm -hmm. um, was for spouses of recovering alcoholics to reach out to me just to have um gorillas um, who are like me, like-minded, um, and right. that's a safe community for me that I could mm-hmm. reach out to. Mm-hmm. And I have three, um, three people now that I can communicate with, um, text with, whatever, that have offered support and help. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, it seems like uh, community for you in some sense is, is pretty important. Has that something that has been important for you uh, throughout your life as, you know, even before uh, uh, needing this for specific reasons? Um, no, actually. Um, <laughs> okay. It, it's funny. It, it should have been, but I mm-hmm. didn't realize how important it was until um, I started in the interdependence phase of my life um, right. and right. being online. Um, I think in high school and, you know, growing up, um, I was not the, clearly the same person that I am now. Um, I was fake and not authentic and right. not who I really was. And that's who I um, was friends with and attracted. And mm-hmm. um, not that I didn't like my life then I did, but I didn't realize. And I mean, of course it just comes, you know, with growing up and you know being mature and being more self-aware. Um, right. But I realize the importance of community now and in finding communities that I feel safe and um, heard and supported. Um, I wish that I could go back and have that earlier in my life. Um, I think think a lot of us feel that way about things. (laughs) (laughs) Plenty of things. Yeah. Right. Um, But even to, to, my family actually is a very supportive family. Um, I'm, extremely extremely close with my family I think Mm -hmm. more I know more so than most people um I uh FaceTime and talk to my mom at least six or seven times a day um my little brother was present in the delivery room with both of my children um which is a really weird thing (laughs) um but um I have that support, that family support system, um, mm-hmm. that non-judgmental support system that I think that a lot of people lack. And I think that's maybe one of the reasons that I wasn't actively seeking support from a community because I had that within my family. That makes sense. Uh, uh, that, that totally makes sense. Um, yeah, I think plenty of us have had plenty of situations in our youth, especially as teenagers that were like, I don't. I, you know, you feel so sure about yourself and then you become older and you're like, who was that person? Uh, so, you know, that kind of raises the question of, of like throughout all of this identity seeking, uh, has there any, been anything that has like been revealed about yourself that you're, you, you were surprised by? 
I thought I was non-judgmental. Um, I thought <laughs> that um, I was really accepting. Um, but in all actuality, I was judgy as shit. Um, uh. <laughs> and um, not in a bad way. And it's funny because I judge... I judge people or I was judging people that um, had a lot of money and did a lot of things for show and mm -hmm. lived their life a certain way. Um, right. I actually live um, and my daughter attends a school um, in a pretty good part of town where we live. Um, so there are a lot of people who have a lot of nice things, spend a lot of money, um, do a lot of shit for show and mm -hmm. here I'm judging right. them. Um, <laughs> and I judge them and I'm like really, and so um, my daughter, I allow her to wear what she wants to school, even mm -hmm. if it doesn't match. Um, I allow her to do a lot of things um, because she feels good about it and it gives her confidence. Mm -hmm. And um, it's funny because I feel like um, maybe other people are judging her, like moms or what teachers or whatever are judging her or me um, because I let that happen. Mm -hmm. And um, once I got to the level that I give no fucks about what people <laughs> think. Mm -hmm. um, it really made it easy. Um, as long as I'm fostering the confidence and um, my daughter's happiness, um, that really is all that mattered to me. Right. So that kind of, I can't help but start to think about like the Myers-Briggs stuff. Like it's so stuck yeah, in my head no, at this point. Um, so I think I saw that you were an ENFP. Is that yeah. correct? Yep. Okay. Because like, it's interesting because throughout, I was trying to recall what that was, but throughout the conversation, you know, saying that you're, you were kind of like thinking you were a non-judgmental type and then kind of a judgmental type and how like you can be harsh sometimes, like that sounds more of like an ENG, ENTJ kind of thing or something that's a little bit more uh, robotic and cold. But, um, you know, what's interesting about the ENFPs is like, uh, uh, I think because you were so fostered and nurtured when you were younger that you kind of allowed yourself to be a little bit more judgmental of everyone outside of your circle. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, one of the functions of ENFPs is extroverted thinking, which is like your dominant judging function. So, you know, when you're judging, you, it comes out very extroverted, like you're just being very outward and, and open about it. But that FI, which is the second function for you is your identity seeking function. Um, and that makes sense that like, kind of honing into your identity has kind of helped you feel a lot more centered. And, you know, it makes more sense, you know, when you start talking about like allowing your kids to just wear whatever they want and people who are a little bit too stiff, you know, you're judgy about that. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, you just want to kind of be a little bit more, uh, uh, you know, novelty focused and free and playing and having a good time as opposed to, you know, being so stuck in, in all of these difficult specific life situations or, or, something like that. So, which is why it makes a, a valid uh, question to be, to, to ask about the, uh, the resentment stuff, because mm -hmm. it can stifle creativity, it can stifle uh, being playful, you know, it can stifle uh, your identity seeking. So it does sound like you're on the right path. Um, and, um, you know, have you looked into Myers-Briggs for, uh, or any other type of, um, you know, identity seeking tools online to learn a little bit more about who you are and apply it to yourself? 
Um, I uh, just took the Myers-Briggs, I think, a couple of months ago. Um, it really wasn't something that I had done before. Right. Um, I read a little bit about it. Um, I um, am just started getting into um, kind of mindset, personality type of things to foster um, being on the right path. Right. Um, I know how good it feels to not harbor resentment and mm -hmm. how good, how freeing it is. Um, and to be self-aware, like really, why am I letting that, you know, bother me or right. like who gives a shit? Um, right. So much more, I don't know, comfortable and happy. Mm -hmm. Um, but no, um, I have a list of books that I am interested in um, and things that I want to learn about more. And that definitely is something that I am going to pursue. Cool. Because it'll help me, I think, level up as a person and understand um, what I'm doing and why I'm doing it and foster the things that are good and maybe mm -hmm. um, revisit the things that I can work on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's something we could talk a little bit off air because, you know, that's not really what this podcast is focused on. But but I really kind of go into that occasionally because it's a it's an it's a method for learning more about yourself. You know, for me, I've always identified as someone who has cyclothymia, which is a low grade bipolar disorder. But learning more about my personality type, which is an INTP, has helped me kind of differentiate like what things are mental disorders versus like what is just my personality <laughs> and uh, and how am I stifling certain things and letting that bring up this repression and creating uh, uh, difficult situations for myself. So, you know, that's, that's kind of the advantage of, of learning through that. It's, you know, it's, it's no different than any other tool that you can learn to learn about or use to learn about yourself. Uh, you know, some people go to spirituality and more woo things. They'll go to like, uh, you know, religion or um, even like tarot cards or astrology as a means to like prompt things in yourself, like find out more about who I am and how this relates to myself. And I think the important overarching thing here in this conversation is the fact that learning more about yourself has helped you care more about other people, especially those closest to you. Um, so um, really, I think that's a good place to kind of start to wrap up. Um, uh, I guess give give us a chance to uh, to hear more about you know the whole unfuck yourself direction where that's going what type of people you want to help and how they can get a hold of you. Sure, um, I am currently rebranding, so um, my I have a Facebook page, a business page. My business is called Flourish, mm -hmm. um, which I play on that F with the unfuck yourself. Right, um, and. Um, I hopefully will be rebranded uh, by next week. We'll have all of my information, exactly what I do, um, how I do it. Um, I schedule um, an audit call uh, first uh, to just kind of talk about what struggles or habits or, you know, hangups you're having. Um, but yeah, you can reach me on Facebook, send me a message. That's how you can find me. Cool. Sounds good. Anything else you'd like to add to the conversation before we wrap up? Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. This, yeah, awesome. this, is, this has been really great. I really appreciate your, your candidness and openness about everything. And sorry if I pry too much. No, <laughs> I'm open. Okay. Really. I mean, it's important. I feel like to discuss things so that, you know, if someone else is feeling a certain way or has um, something going on, it's really important to, to be that voice uh, for them. Yeah. I think if anyone has any questions, uh, you know, leave questions in the comments or on a voice message on Anchor or wherever it is that you're listening to this. 
leave a review, whatever. And um, with that, I think we'll wrap up. Thank you again for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Cool. Thanks. See you guys. Bye. Hey, you beautiful human. Thanks for listening to Dopamine. I really appreciate it. If you thought this was a dope show, then you should wait until next week. But also, while you wait, you should go to iTunes and Stitcher and leave a positive review. Positive reviews help me to uh, fill up my dopamine tank. Otherwise, you can send your friends to dopamine.life to listen to the show or hi, my name is Christian.com to get the latest updates. I'll catch you later. Uh-huh.